Hi, my name is Dan Hogue, and I love music. I love listening to it, talking about it, reading up on it, and making weekly top 10 charts with songs I like at the moment. I can only come to one conclusion. Music is my radar. to a special episode of Music Is My Radar. It's a podcast for music lovers both near and far. Well, everybody, give yourselves a big old pat on the back because we all survived this year 2020. I could go on and on about what a challenging year it has been for myself and for no doubt all of you in some form or another. But instead, let's focus on the silver linings of this year of which there are quite a few for me personally. One of the biggest silver linings is, without the events of 2020, we might not have Music Is My Radar. I'm not sure if I'm rehashing this story, but the idea of my even having a podcast did not come from me. It came from my girlfriend Karen, and I happen to recall where we were when she brought up that idea. It was before our live comedy show in September of 2019. We saw the dollop live. I was confessing to her about my music-loving ways and how I've been compiling a weekly top 10 chart since the late 90s, and maybe it was because of the spirit of where we were, a live podcast, she suggested that I make a podcast about this. I believe at the time I didn't take the idea too seriously. I was thinking, well, there's already a glut of podcasts out there, and it's not like I'm one for speaking, so eh, I don't know. But then in March, when the reality of the situation hit, I knew that I needed something to replace the hobbies that I wasn't going to be able to do, such as going to concerts or sporting events, and a big reduction in my social life and my brewery life. And I had been seeing these 30-day song challenges bouncing around social media among my friends and family. And at the start of March, my middle brother, Jonathan, whom I've spoken about a few times on this podcast, started that 30-day song challenge. And so, on the first day I was working from home in mid-March, I bought a cheap microphone from Facebook Marketplace, got it at my lunch break, and started looking ahead to April when I can do that song challenge. Now, I would not recommend recording a daily podcast to get your feet wet. It's definitely jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. I can honestly say, were it not for the unusual circumstances, where I was completely locked down, I didn't start going to work one day a week until sometime in the summer. I would not have been able to pull off a daily podcast. And I started the current series of looking back at my number ones at the start of May of this year, which is what I've been doing since, save for last week's Christmas episode, and this week's sort of wrap-up of 2020 episode. Now, I could say I've come a long way from the start, but only in incremental steps, I would say. I think my first couple episodes I wasn't actually recording on the microphone. I didn't select it on this Audacity program. So as a result, those first few episodes 
don't sound quite as good quality-wise. But I do think I've gotten better in my podcaster role now than I was then. For one thing, recording a podcast really makes me pay attention to the way I speak. I'm trying to slow down when I speak, collect my thoughts a little more. And recording a podcast and seeing your voice visually is a good help, I think. And hopefully it serves me well down the road in my non-podcast ventures. It's not like a podcast is equivalent to, say, Toastmasters, but I think my voice is a lot different here than in real life. My girlfriend tells me that I have a very soothing voice for podcasts. I call it my NPR voice. Ah, yes. Besides that, I think I'm taking more chances creatively on these podcasts. Starting out, it was just sample of song and analysis. I like to think now I've mixed it up a tiny bit. For example, my 2004 episodes, I switched up the intros, and I think my Howard Dean intro on the first episode was a bit of a watershed moment. Also, I'm trying to incorporate more random samples from other songs or movies, and the samples of the songs themselves, before I just play the intro of a song and then fade out. But now I'm looking at songs, and if there's a part of a song that I like that isn't necessarily in the intro, I'll play that part, not the intro. And I think I found that out when I was analyzing If There Is Something by Roxy Music and TVC15 by David Bowie in the 2005 episodes. In the case of the former, the start of the song is my least favorite part of it, so I wanted to play a little bit of it, but then play my favorite parts, the second verse and part of the instrumental passage. Just some things to spice up the episodes, especially during times when I felt a little bit worn out by my format of looking at my number ones from years past. On that note, I think I'll talk about some goals I have for this podcast in 2021. I am going to start off by continuing my list of number ones from 2007 through 2009, and I think when I'm done with the 2000s, I'm going to put that series on hold. I got several different series and ideas bouncing around my head. For example, I might do some album reviews by artists I like, or maybe just comprehensive artist reviews, or maybe a deep dive into a song I like that didn't hit number one, but is well worth talking about. Or if I'm getting really creative, I might invite a guest or two. My girlfriend Karen and I have been kicking around an idea of us talking about our five favorite Beatles songs, sort of a format where... I give my five and she gives her five, or maybe we'll alternate between songs. Of course, if I do have an episode with a guest, I will have to step up my podcasting abilities as far as recording more than one person, using headphones, because right now it's just me and a microphone. And to tell you the truth, I don't see myself progressing past that. This is very much a DIY, ragtag type podcast, far from professional. And I just don't have the time or the patience or the staff or the money to really put something together that's more professional. I have the utmost respect for the podcasts I listen to and the people who put it together. The hosts, the guests, the sound engineers, whoever else is editing behind the scenes. They work very hard to put together some very, very fine product. But for my own sanity, I don't think I could do the same. After all, I do have a full-time job. And if and when things start inching back to normal, and I start going back to work, and doing the stuff I did before, and potential other life changes with me and my girlfriend, I wouldn't have the same time that I had in 2020 to do something more than what I'm doing right now. 
But I'm very, very glad that I picked up this hobby of podcasting. It got me to really re-listen to the music that I've loved in my past, to pick up on some stuff I didn't know before with fresh ears, and to learn some song facts and other reactions about the song. And bringing it back to 2020, it was one of the things that kept me going throughout this year. Having a self-imposed deadline every week to drop a new podcast gave me something to look forward to and helped me mark my days during a time when days, weeks, and months seemed to blur together. Also, it gave me focus instead of just doom-scrolling all the time and giving in to the negativity and affecting my mental health. Whenever I was recording a new episode, I was fully in the moment, not a thought to the troubles of the world or the troubles of my own mind. Much like listening to music has gotten me through tough times, talking about music has definitely gotten me through this year. And of course, I have to thank you, the listener. Now, I don't know what my viewership numbers are. I like to joke that I'm doing this podcast mainly for my good buddy Steve, who is a fellow music lover and a potential guest on a future episode, if we can decide on what that episode is. But the hope is to get some new listeners, whether they listen to just one episode because one of their bands was hashtagged when I posted it on Instagram, or if you want to listen to the whole series. Either way is fine by me, and I hope that I've done your favorite band justice, or that I've inspired you to check out some bands that you might not have heard of before, or only heard of a little bit. I don't think I've ever plugged my email address, but I can be reached at musicismyradarpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have any questions or even suggestions, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. So with that out of the way, let's take a look at what I was listening to in the year 2020. Just like how every week I do a top 10 list, every end of the year I compile a top 100 list. It's just made up of songs that were in my top 10 throughout the year, and a vast majority of them have peaked at number 5 or higher. For the purpose of this episode, I'll only focus on the top 10 songs of the year. There is one thing to keep in mind. This is not a list of songs that I like that came out in the year 2020. With very, very few exceptions, my ear is not on the ground as far as the new hip music. Rather, these are songs that I learned about and really got into during the year 2020. I know some people like to listen to new releases every week, but that's just not something I have the time for. And looking back at the year 2020, I was listening to less new music than even before, as for a good part of the year, people were not releasing new albums, save for solo artists who recorded their albums during quarantine, like your Taylor Swifts or your Drakes, I'm guessing. Even Paul McCartney himself dropped a new album at the very end of the year, McCartney 3, most of which was recorded during the lockdown, or as he called it, I kid you not, the Rockdown. Oh, Macca, you nerd, you. I do go on spurts where I try and seek out very obscure stuff of the time, whether it be obscure 80s stuff or obscure 90s stuff, kind of lost hits, songs that probably could have been hits if they had the right promotion, and I continue to seek out recommendations from friends, even though with no concerts or tree fort, the Boise Music Festival this year, my ear was not on the ground as far as artists that I would have discovered throughout those avenues. But there are a few artists that I'd earmarked the year before that I finally got into this year. 
Anywho, I've rambled on long enough. Let's get to the top 10 songs of 2020. As with my number ones episode, I'll mention the song, play a sample of it, and talk about it a little bit. I'll start things off with a few honorable mentions. These are songs that didn't crack the top 10 year-end, but they did hit number one on my weekly charts throughout the year, and are worth mentioning briefly. The first one being the song that I kicked the episode off with. It was the new pornographers with all the things that go to make heaven and earth. It was the first time this Canadian group had a number one on my charts. It was at number one for two weeks, February 29th and March 7th, the last gasp before things really hit the fan. The New Pornographers are a band that I've earmarked many times as, I'll get to them later. I can credit Brother Jonathan for letting me know about this group, and sending me a few tracks here and there to warm me up. The song that replaced it at number one was a two-week chart topper, weeks March 14th and 21st, Apparition by a Liverpool group called Stealing Sheep. Stealing Sheep are a trio from Liverpool, all ladies. Before each festival, the Treefort app would have a list of the guests who were going to perform, a little bio about them, a link to some of their stuff, and that's how I learned about Stealing Sheep. This song, unfortunately, will always remind me of the fear and the dread that took over the world at that very week. Treefort was cancelled, and other things followed. But Apparition is still a good song. Check out the music video for it on YouTube. It's pretty clever. And the final shout-out and honorable mentions is a song by one of those aforementioned current groups that I had earmarked for later, several years ago. The song is Good Will Come to You by The Fruit Bats. It spent one week at number one in November of this year, and much like Get It Right Next Time a year prior, it was one of those songs that I kind of needed at the moment to get me through some career setbacks and other not-so-great times. Without further ado, here are my top 10 songs of 2020. At number 10, here's Ween, number one for three weeks in November and December, with Exactly Where I'm At and Flutes of Chi. Ween is a group that I've known about for quite some time, but I really had to get over myself before really diving into them. Like many of us, the first and only Ween song I truly knew was Push the Little Daisies, thanks to this sharp commentary from Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> These guys got no future. <laughs> 
And then many years later, on a road trip with Jonathan, he played the first album, God, Weed, and Satan, The Oneness. And let me tell you, even though that's the first Ween album, that is not the place to start. But as with many artists, it took the efforts of people I respect from the web reviewing community, especially George Stairston and John McFerrin, two reviewers that were firmly stuck in the past, but still gave high marks to Ween. So I gave The Mollusk and Chocolate and Cheese a spin or two, and then after that, songs from those albums dotted my charts here and there. Those being a lot more musical and mature, so to speak, than Godwin Satan. And then late this year, I listened to their 2000 release, White Pepper. The two songs that kicked off that album were Exactly Where I'm At and Flutes of Chi. And it goes back to my love for a good one-two punch to start the album. Exactly Where I'm At is very impressive sounding with the drum sound, the shift of dynamics from the first to the second verse. It shows that these guys were more than just music pranksters. They knew their stuff. And I didn't provide a sample of Flutes of Chi, but it sounds very similar to this, but turning its attention to the Eastern mysticism of the 60s, kind of poking fun at it gently. Great songs, and I look forward to listening to more Ween in the future. Coming in at number 9, it's Adrian Ballou. Spending the first two weeks of September at number one with Oh Daddy. Oh my gosh, this song is so adorable! And from an unlikely source. I knew Adrian Ballou as a guy who played with a lot of the prominent rock stars of the day. He's played on albums such as David Bowie's Lodger, Talking Heads Remain in Light, and King Crimson's New Wave type album Discipline, all this in the span of four years between 1979 and 1982. And before that, he played with Frank Zappa for a few years. It says he's known for his impressionistic guitar playing. So with all that, you can imagine my surprise when I was watching this YouTube channel that had really brief clips of songs in the Hot 100 on a certain week and seeing his name pop up in the low 70s in a 1989 chart. Anywho, this was his only charting single, a daddy-daughter duet between him and his then 11-year-old daughter, Audie. Of course, his only charting song would be one where he poked fun at his lack of pop success. 
the plot of the song is his daughter asking him when he's going to be a big hit star. And he's like, I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying. She even appears in the music video. And I do get a sense that Adrian Ballou was kind of a cool slash lame dad. But I don't care. It makes me smile each time I hear it. Next up at number 8, it's Martin Newell. Spending two weeks at the top on March 28th and April 4th with The Greatest Living Englishman. This song, and the album from which it came, The Greatest Living Englishman, came from one of my many aforementioned down-the-rabbit-hole sessions on the internet looking for music from the 80s and 90s that I didn't know about. Martin Newell was in a band in the 80s called The Cleaners from Venus. I don't know any of their stuff yet, but I think they're another jangle-pop type band. And as a solo artist, he's had about 30 albums from 1980 to the present day. The album The Greatest Living Englishman came out in 1993, and it seems to be the only one that has any critical acclaim, mainly because it was produced by one Andy Partridge. Yeah, that Andy Partridge of XTC. At that time, the band was in the start of their super-long hiatus, so Partridge had more spare time. Not only did he produce, but he played several instruments throughout the album. As a result, the whole album sounds like the great lost XTC album. This song in particular is sounding a lot like their Dukes of Stratosphere period, where XTC adapted that pseudonym and played a lot of 60s-type psychedelia for a couple albums worth. This song does have a bit of that Paul McCartney 1967 bounce to it, as well as ultra-English slice-of-life lyrics a la The Kinks. But that didn't bother me with Blur, it doesn't bother me here. The album's only drawback is Newell's voice isn't that great. Would be quite interesting to hear this material sung by Andy, or even the other XTC vocalist Colin Moulding. But, no matter, it's a great song, and it was number one during the first weeks of what 2020 was going to be, working from home, not going out. Not a bad soundtrack to those times. Coming in at number seven, it's the return of my old friend's My Morning Jacket. Number one for the first two weeks of August, with Magic Bullet. No other way. 
Once I get into the 2012 episodes of my number one songs, you'll find out what a big, big deal My Morning Jacket was to me during that year, and to a lesser extent, 2013 through 2015. That was the year that they released The Waterfall, and then the band took a five-year break, during which time lead singer Jim James focused on his solo career. In July of 2020, they dropped The Waterfall 2, an album comprised of songs that were recorded during The Waterfall sessions, but they felt didn't fit with the theme of the album, which I guess was heartbreak. Anyway, my quick and dirty review of The Waterfall 2 is, it's very even. The high points aren't as high as The Waterfall, and it's what you could call more of the same from My Morning Jacket, their slow country-slash-psychedelia-type sound. Magic Bullet was a song that stuck out to me the most, hence that's why I got the coveted number one spot. It's kind of sparse, funkish, vaguely recalling that Motown Stone Cold classic Shotgun by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. I don't think it would be in my personal top ten list of My Morning Jacket songs, but it's still made for a good summary vibe number one. Now, none of the material in Waterfall 2 was touched up from the original recording sessions, so there's still some doubt whether My Morning Jacket is still an ongoing entity or not. But 2020 was not the year to nitpick. It was new material. I ate it up. Good stuff. At number six, it's the Cold War Kids. They were number one for three weeks in January with Complainer. Kids are one of those many groups championed by my friend Steve. I listened to their 2014 release, Hold My Home, and I wasn't overly impressed with that. I put this group in the back burner of my mind until late in 2019, when my local brewery, Lost Grove, shout out, played the song a lot during Thursday trivia nights. It seems to be a break from what they did before, kind of a white boy funk rock type song, and the lead singer, Nathan Willett, sings most of it in a falsetto. I can't really put my finger on what song this reminds me of, but it was number one in January mainly because I like the message. It's easy to sit back and kvetch at the state of the world, grown on Facebook or Twitter, but if that's all you do, you're not really helping things. Much better would be to get involved, volunteer your time and efforts to worthy causes, or go canvassing, or call your local politicians. As the chorus of kids would say, don't sit around and complain about it. Now, I'm thinking the events of 2020 have 
inspired people to do just that. So maybe this song isn't quite as actual anymore. But there will always be complainers out there, so the song seems timeless to me. Halfway through the list, coming in at number five, it's the Canadian group Tops. They were number one for the final two weeks of August with Direct Sunlight. We'll always be. In June, I stumbled across a series of articles on Stereo Gum, where a guy reviews every single song that hit number one on the Billboard charts, and gives them scores from one to ten, like any good reviewer would. I got as far as 1975 before taking a break, because it was taking up a lot of time. It wasn't just the reviews, it was the comments section, especially the commenter who had a, here's what else was going on in the top 40 this week, found a lot of good gems that way. Anywho, each page had sort of a video ad for a Stereo Gum live sessions with a couple bands I'd never heard of, and Tops was one of them. They're a Montreal sort of indie synth-pop group, and this song came from their fourth album released in 2020, I Feel Alive. It totally sounds like early 80s or late 70s yacht rock almost, or at least AM radio pop. I mean, I have been binging on Beyond Yacht Rock on and off, most notably the Yachter Nyat series, where listeners can submit songs they've heard, and the hosts decide whether it's Yacht Rocked or not Yacht Rock. This totally sounds like something someone would send to the guys, although I think they'd probably call it Nyat. But still, dig that flute solo, and those plinky synths. It's not what I call original. Plenty of bands nowadays are trying to get in that yacht pocket. But it was another summery-type song that fit at number one in late August. And the group would have another number one on my charts in November with the title track, I Feel Alive. Again, not original, and from what I heard, they kind of milked this style throughout their four albums, but I'll keep listening. Next up, at number four, it's Mr. Elvis Costello, three weeks of number one in April with When I Was Cruel, number two? Into the perfume so refined comes the bride Not quite a side this night She's number four There's number three Just by the door Those in the know Don't even flatter If they go on better She was selling speedboats In a trade show And it mattered Look at her now 
starting to yawn She looks like she was born to it But it was so much easier When I was cruel I think I mentioned this before, but I tended to ignore all the Elvis Costello albums past 1994 for the longest time. I mistakenly thought that he'd just gone soft and boring. But I greatly enjoyed his 2018 release, Look Now. I caught the show with my buddy Adam in Seattle December of that year, so it finally inspired me to get caught up in his stuff. This song came from his 2002 release, When I Was Cruel. It was his first true rock album he'd released in eight years after focusing on side projects with Burt Backrack and others. When I Was Cruel Number 2 is Everything I Love About Elvis Costello, a five-minute-plus song that doesn't really change melody throughout, instead gets more and more intense as the song goes by, as Elvis spits out his usual jargon. Also, the most striking thing about this song is that un part that's sampled all throughout the song. It was lifted from some old Italian pop song, And looking up the original source material, it wasn't just the vocal that was lifted, it was the first five seconds of the song, over which Elvis overdubbed some guitar. So that's interesting. I still love the song, though. And one more song from When I Was Cruel would top the charts in October, episode of Blonde. But that won't be showing up on my year-end top ten. Coming in at number three, it's White Reaper. Spending three weeks at number one in February, with Might Be Right. First off, I love how the song starts with the main melody played on what sounds like an old organ that you would hear at a baseball game. And this is definitely a throwback to 70s power pop, maybe like Cheap Trick, even though the song came out in late 2019. Beyond that, I don't really have a lot to say about this song. It doesn't warrant deep analysis. I know very little about the band. It's just a song that reminds me of good times. I don't remember where I first heard it, maybe at my favorite brewery. But while it was in my rotation in February, I hosted a Super Bowl party at my house. 
the first kind of party that I hosted myself in my adult life, with a lot of help from Karen, too. As a big-time introvert who didn't really like going to parties until later on in life, this was a big step for me. I felt so great about how that party turned out that I decided, hey, I'll host some others. But one month later, yeah. So besides that, the song reminds me of the last gasp of party times before all the crap took place. Since I don't want to end the analysis on a down note, uh, someday I'll be able to hold parties again, or go to parties or other stuff. Right? Right? <sighs> Coming in at number two is me getting swept up by a phenomenon four years after the fact. This puppy spent three weeks at number one, weekending July 18th through August 1st. Here's Alexander Hamilton and my shot from the musical Hamilton, but you already knew that. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter by 14. They placed him in charge of a trading charter. And every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away Across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up Inside he was longing for something to be a part of The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter Then a hurricane came and devastation rained Our man saw his future drip, dripping down the drain Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain And he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain the word got around and said this kid is insane man Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland Get your education, don't forget from whence you came And the world's gonna know your name What's your name man? Alexander Hamilton My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you on July 3rd, 2020, Hamilton the Movie was released on Disney+. Hamilton, of course, was the phenomenon du jour of 2016, having premiered on Broadway the year prior. I consciously avoided listening to the soundtrack of the play, because even though I love history and music, I didn't want to hear any of the songs until I got to see the show live, which was a long shot because A, I didn't think it would ever come to Boise, and 2, even if it did, I'd have to win the lottery to get tickets and put down a crap load of cash. But Karen was able to see the show when it came to Seattle in 2018, and so the same day the film was released on Disney+, Plus, we both made a date night to watch it. The film, of course, was shot on Broadway in 2016 with the original cast, all of whom were long gone from touring productions by 2020. And yes, dear listener... Once I saw the show, I got hooked on the soundtrack for three weeks solid. On the week of July 25th, seven of the entries in the top ten were from Hamilton, each being double-sided hits. I hadn't been that obsessed with the musical since, <laughs> Rent. But I do believe Hamilton will stand the test of time much better than Rent has. 
If you're looking for analysis on these two songs, Alexander Hamilton and My Shot, you aren't going to get any here on this podcast. Y'all are at least aware of the phenomenon and at least a couple of the songs. It naturally had a big resurgence after the Disney Plus release of the movie. Suffice to say, the soundtrack was running through my head throughout all of July, and as a result, this pairing of songs made for the number two hit of my 2020 charts. Alright, the moment you've all been waiting for, my number one song of the year 2020 spent four weeks at number one from mid to late June to early July. It's Quilt with Hissing My Plea. talking about Direct Sunlight by Tops, I mentioned that I first came across the band during video ads on the Stereo Gum website I was looking at. Well, this was another song that was playing quite a bit on those ads. And as soon as I heard the album this came from, 2016's Plaza, I knew that the studio version of Hissing My Plea was going to be my number one song of 2020. Much like those yacht rock throwback groups, I'm guessing 60 psychedelic throwback groups are a dime a dozen. But something about this song sounds authentic and going the extra mile to really evoke the 60s. Maybe because musically, it's a drone. The guitars and the bass stay on an E chord the whole song. No chord changes or anything. Not to mention those strings on acid that play throughout the song. And also isn't fixated on gimmicks like phasing or backwards guitars. It just is. And as much as I try not to tie everything back to 2020 and the events, That one-note drone does sound like the summer of 2020 to me. A very summery-sounding song, but the drone kind of evoking being stuck in place, as a lot of us were during that summer. Now, the rest of Quilt doesn't quite meet the standards of Hissing My Plea. I need to listen to it again, because I do remember there are some other great songs. Who knows, maybe they'll have a second number one sometime in 2021 from that album, or from one of their two prior albums. Only time will tell. And there you have it, my top 10 songs of 2020. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, where you get to hear what I was listening to in the past year, before I dive back into songs I liked yesteryear. To close things out, I will play a song that I probably listened to more than any other song in 2020, even the ones on this list. It's one of those what-the-hell-was-that type songs 
that I just love unearthing randomly. Even though it only hit number three, it was there for three weeks in February and March. And it has an insane video, too. It's the Belgian duo The Veterans and their 1980 single, which was big in Australia, There Ain't No Age for Rock and Roll. A bizarre cap on a bizarre year. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Music Is My Radar, and I wish all of you a happy 2021. It can only get better from here, right? Next week I'll be jumping back into my number ones, going in the year of 2007. Until then, Happy New Year! Thank you for listening to Music Is My Radar. This is a podcast centered around music commentary and review. As such, all of the rights of the music samples that I have provided throughout the episode remain exclusive property of their respective copyright holders.